Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Always Add Avocado. Today I will be hosting the show, this episode, alone, just like last week. Basically, if you guys haven't listened to last week's episode, it's a historical um, event um, type of episode. It's not something we do here, but it's basically for one of my classes. And it's a project that I chose to do um, a podcast on, a podcast episode, instead of writing because, you know, I don't really like writing. And this is basically the only way I get to express myself the way I want. Um, So today's episode, we'll be discussing one of my favorite things. If you guys don't know, I am a big, big horror um, fan. I love horror movies. My main, main, um, what's it called? Like, I wouldn't say subject, but my main like thing would be um, the my main subgenre would be slasher films. So I love horror films, but slasher films are like my thing. The subgenre of slasher films are like what I love. Like, I love all like the Halloween movies, all the um. Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the classics, the well-knowns. Um, so today, I wouldn't really consider this movie a slasher film, but it is a horror film. And this movie basically defined the horror genre. Basically, this film is what created the genre. You know, there were um, there were some short films before this before this movie that basically had, like, you know, a little horror in it, but it wasn't, like, a fully you know, movie until this one came out. And let me tell you guys, when I was doing when I was doing my research, oh my goodness, I saw basically some clips and I was like, I need to watch this movie. So I have not watched this movie yet, but I've seen clips of like scenes and stuff and I'm intrigued. I really want to watch it. It is a silent film just because it came out in February of 20, uh, not 20, of 1920. So it was basically um, shot and created between World War One and World War Two. So um, this movie is called, I hope I'm saying this correctly, it's a German um, silent film. So I hope I'm pronouncing everything correctly. If not, I'm still going to give the English translation of the movie's name. It's called Das Cabinet des Dr. Caligari. So basically, it's called in English, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. So, you know nowadays, um, Hollywood is well known for like the biggest blockbuster movies, like the greatest of all. Yeah, there's some foreign, foreign movies um, that are like great. I've seen some um, because of my introduction to film class, but like, oh, I forgot the name. I don't have the name with me right now, but it's, uh, I think it's a French film. It's really good. It's about like this girl. I think it's called Am- Amelie, Amelie or something like that. It's it's really good. I liked it. It's, um, it's not a silent film, but it kind of gives me that aspect of a silent film, just because um, the girl doesn't really talk. The main, um, 
the main actor, the main um, character doesn't really talk, but everyone else does. But it's, it's a really good film. You guys should watch. You guys should watch it. Like, like the coloring, um, the color they use on the film is really good. But anyway, so um, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari was obviously a silent film, um, shot in Germany, and the director. It was directed by Robert Bands in 1920, as I just mentioned earlier. Um, just last year, guys. Last year on February 26th, the movie, the film, um, uh, the film was released 100 years ago. Like 100 years ago, guys. That's like a long time, obviously. But I, it's it's amazing how how a film that was created like a long time ago, a film that basically created the horror genre, you know, is still remembered to this day. And it's still, it still stands, it still stands like the, the, the break of time. Uh, it's still a great film. People still watch it and people still love it. Some people, you know, some people are usually into that, like new stuff and it's all right to be into the new stuff, but they really don't, I feel like they don't really appreciate where everything came from. So yeah. So the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is about a young man named Francis, played by Conrad Vert. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, um, who lives in a small village in, I think it's Holsterwall, Holstenwall, Germany. Um, the whole silent film is a flashback basically of like what had happened with him and um, his best friend Alan and all the things that were happening. So basically it starts off with Francis talking to this um, older man. They're sitting on a bench, you know, kind of like that Forrest Gump kind of thing. And this um, one character named Jane, I think she might be the only female character, well at least the, the like um one of the main female characters because I don't I don't, didn't see any other female characters. So there's this um girl lady um named Jane passing by and she kinda looks I, I wouldn't say lost but she looks confused like she like she really isn't there like her mindset her mindset isn't really there, you know but he sees her walking by walking past them and he tells the older man you see that girl that woman over there she is my fiance or girlfriend i don't really um i get i got both when i was doing the research some said that it was his girlfriend others said it was his fiance nonetheless he said it was like they were together so it takes like he does like he talks about what had happened so it becomes a flashback basically the whole movie is a flashback um and francis it starts with francis and his best friend alan they go to a carnival and are presented with um sideshow attractions by caesar is one caesar's another character um in the in the film and he's um i think this is a basically is someone who um sleep box 
and he's basically um, controlled by Dr. Caligari, right? And he tells you basically when you're going to die. So Alan over here, um, thinking like he's funny and everything, um, he asked them. He asked them, "When am I going to die?" And Caesar, I, I think his name is pronounced Caesar. I, I'm. We're just gonna go with it. We're just gonna go with it and say it's Caesar. He basically tells Alan that he will die at dawn. So everybody's all like, like, oh, well, like, okay, but I, they don't really take it seriously. So. So when dawn comes slowly, so basically dawn comes and it, dawn, it becomes night, <laughs> it becomes night and Alan's at his house in his, um, his room, like in his bed, ready to go to sleep. When someone comes in Alan's room and kills him, he's, he's there. And he kills Alan. And the funny thing about this is, for how the death scene is, it is very advanced, guys. Um, this is a 1920s film. There weren't any like usually. Okay, right now people, um, people right now don't like how death scenes are cut off or um, are shown like off screen. If that makes sense. For those of you film majors or film geeks like me, um, they don't really like how some um, kills are um, off screen. This was a kill off screen, but it does it in like in a shadowy way. So like when they move the camera to the wall, there's a shadow, and you see the shadow like basically the guy killing um, Alan with a like long knife. And for something like this in the 1920s to think of it's i think it's really really cool um very advanced first time yeah so we continue so people find out and are scared you know meanwhile francis hears about this and he he's suspicious because you know this um caesar this um sleepwalker dude who's um who's basically a puppet to dr caligari is all like yeah, you're gonna die today at dawn, and he he actually dies, and so he's suspicious, and he starts to spy on Dr. Caligari and Caesar, and so he sees that both Caligari and Caesar are sleeping. Um, as you guys can tell by the title of the film, you know the cabinet. Caesar sleeps in a cabinet, so um, if that makes sense, like a it's kind of like a coffin, I guess you can say a, a wooden coffin. So he sleeps in a like wooden coffin and he sees that both um, Caligari and Caesar are asleep. So meanwhile, we're in that scene and it cuts off to another scene where Caesar, the same dude that we just saw sleeping, um, finds Jane's room, house, he, he enters her room and he goes there to kill her, right? So. As I as I see in this clip, it's really cool how you know back then they didn't have anything to like kind of um, make it seem that there it's a uh, at the same time if that makes sense. So, but the the director 
makes that transition of um, Francis being over there with Caligari and Caesar, but while Caesar being in this other place, but he makes it look like it's at the same time. You know, since this film doesn't have any um, any like audio, any um, I guess script. Well, it has a script. Yeah, any audio, I guess, so you wouldn't necessarily know. So he goes in there, and the funny thing about this scene is it reminds me a lot of a few movies. Um, it reminds me, first, it reminds me a lot of Citizen Kane. If you, guys, if you guys have not watched Citizen Kane, it is considered one of the best movies ever created, basically. Because according, well, I've seen the movie for my film class, and for his time it was like like i said like it's always the best movies the movies are that are really good that are usually advanced for their time that they're that they're being made and stuff like that and there's like a scene that kind of reminds me of citizen kane and i'll talk about it i'll talk about it later um i'll make some um some similarities between some films that i think were inspired by the Cabinet of, Gal- of Dr. Caligari and some other films um, slash novels that maybe um, doc- the the director of The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari was inspired of, by. So, um, oh, and it also reminds me of the scene in the movie Frankenstein. So we'll get to that later. So yeah, he goes in and tries, he attempts to kill Jane, but what I see is that he's like kind of struck by her beauty and instead of killing her he basically kidnaps her so he's like going up the roof like normal people i guess and he's like he basically makes it down already and i think there's a mob trying to fight him and he eventually just leaves her and he's like running away and while he's running away um, don't quote me on the mob. I don't really remember that. I just remember the big scene where the scene I'm about to tell you guys uh, is um, I guess I don't know why I didn't really understand this part, but um, Caesar just kind of falls to his death. If that makes sense. So he's running away. He makes it to like this foresty type place and he just falls to his death. <laughs> And that's it. That's all we know of Caesar. We don't ever see Caesar again until the very end, of course. Um, just, I should probably put a spoiler spoiler alert in the very beginning. I'm sorry, guys. Spoil alert. There's gonna be some. I'm just. I'm obviously talking about the the, the movie. So, if you guys want to hear the ending, I'll tell you when to skip over. So, you can skip over that. And you guys don't have to find out the ending. But, I mean, this movie is, like, over 100 years old. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm, like, I mean, there's nothing really I can tell you about that. And, I mean, I'm pretty sure most of you, maybe even all of you, won't even watch the film just because it's a silent film and I feel like you guys would be really awkward just because of how it is um how the setting is and everything which I will be discussing later on too 
So that happens. He he like just drops dead to the ground. Meanwhile, Francis is still over there spying at Caligari and what seems to be Caesar, right? And then the police comes and Francis is all like like oh they're they're in there, they're like in their little like room thingy that they're staying, I guess. And um and then Caligari comes out and he's all like what's happening and the policeman and Francis are like where's Caesar and then Caligari is just like Caesar's right here sleeping in his cabinet and they're like oh okay and then slowly Francis and I'm assuming most of the audience of course comes to realize that you know Caesar looks a little bit different right he looks a little bit odd and Caesar picks up uh not Caesar (laughs) Francis picks up Caesar and he sees that it's a doll. It's it's fake. It's not that it's not the real Caesar. Because we saw that Caesar drop dead because he was trying to kill Jane and then kidnap her. Um, while every while the like the police are confused and distracted, and so is Francis a little Caligari kind of slips away. He just like backs, 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 back, backs up. And he slips away. But Francis. Francis is a smart dude and he catches it in the corner of his eye and he's like, nah bruh, you ain't leaving anywhere. And then so I'm sorry if I tell him. Oh my goodness, my T is gonna review this and he's gonna be like, yeah. I use I tend to talk like this a lot in my podcast. So um so yeah, he basically um he sinks away and Francis follows after him. Now here's where my notes end because I did not want to keep writing the rest of the summary. <laughs> but basically, he follows um, Caligari and he sees that he goes into an asylum. I didn't get that. Oh, Could no. you try again? No, no, Siri. Okay, there's always interruptions in my podcast. Okay. So basically, he follows... He follows... Um, Caligari to an asylum and he's just like what the heck and he realized that Caligari is a director like of the asylum so he's like what the heck like what and then um, Caligari he follows Caligari into his office and he sees him and then Caligari is all like oh no and then basically um, Calig- uh, not Caligari. Francis is all like backs. He backs up. He backs up. And you know, like movies back in the day, how they show their their dramatic and they're like, oh, and they do like a lot of facial and movement, and arms and all that, like that stuff that we consider not to be funny. Um. Well, he does it a lot, and he like he like almost he doesn't end up exiting the asylum, but he's like in the main hall. Not hall, the main, um, the, what's it called? Lobby, I guess you can say. And the workers there are like, dude, what's wrong? And then Francis is all like, Francis is all like, what, what do you, what do you think is going on, bro? Like your director over there, Mr. Dr. Caligari, he is he's been hypnotizing a dude named caesar to kill people and so they're like whoa 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 really and then francis is like yeah my dude like he's been like basically like 
having Caesar do his dirty work for him. And they're like, oh, this can't be happening. So they help him search through Caligari's stuff in his office. By this time, Caligari's already gone. So they go through his office and um, they see, they find like a journaly type and like a story type of like this hypnosis. Is that what it's called? I don't know what the people who hypnotize are called, but basically a person who hypnotize, um, like gets a person, hypnotize them and does like makes him kill for him, if that makes sense. And and he sees, and they see the journal, and they see all the, basically everything that I have described to you guys, all the things he had done, and um, all the people he had Caesar killed. And then the workers are like, oh no, no. And they go back to the main lobby, and they see um, Caligari there. And they're like, my dude, I think you're the crazy one. And he's like, no, 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 I'm not crazy, I'm not crazy, right? And they're like, they're like holding him. He's like, no, 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 don't let me go, blah, 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 blah. Um, and they basically put him in the, what's it called? Oh, I forgot what they're called, but they're when they tie people. The, they're usually seen in like the same asylums, like um, films, um, or like in, they're not called insane asylums. They're called hospitals, like mental hospitals or something like that, um, where they have like the person like wrapped up, like their arms crossed and they're wrapped up. I forgot what that's called. They basically do that to Caligari, and they throw throw him in a room for him to stay there because he basically becomes a patient, right? And um, they go back, back in um, present time now, right? And so, like, yeah, Francis is like, yeah, that's what happened, my dude. To so the guy sitting next to him, and so they walk in, and it looks like they're in the asylum right so it was like oh like i was like what what the heck that's weird maybe he was just like he was just sitting there taking a little break after like capturing you know caligari and stuff and he's walking by and he sees a lot of people and then you come to see jane again and jane doesn't look like i said in the beginning she doesn't look like she's fully there if that makes sense so she's sitting down like in this chair that kind of looks like a queen's chair like a royal's chair and she's like just sitting there and she basically looks like she she's a princess or a queen or whatever or that's what she thinks she is um and then francis sees caesar and he starts to freak out and he tells the old dude, he's like, don't, don't tell him, don't ask him when you're going to die. Don't tell him, don't ask him your future and stuff. And then like the old dude's like, what the heck? And he just leaves, right? And then, but you see Caesar and he's not, he doesn't look the same because in the, in the backflash, Caesar looked really scary, you know, he looked like, like the basic old, old, um, like horror films where the villain looked really like scary type like kind of like dracula i remember you guys seen like the i'm not sure if it's the original Dra- dracula but like they haven't like look like they put like white makeup on him and stuff like that no oh, that's another thing all the all the actors here have white makeup um i don't really know the story behind that but yeah so but he doesn't look he doesn't look um he doesn't look scary he doesn't look like he he's gonna hurt anyone in fact he's actually like he has a flower and he looks so 
so intrigued with the flower he's like looking at the flower he's all happy stuff and he's like what and then come to know here comes someone walking someone that we know someone named some, well i'm not sure if that's his actual name but here comes the director dr Caligari, and then francis just flips but look here's the thing Caligari doesn't look like how he used to guys i didn't really explain how he looks how he looked like and like in the flashback but in the flashback he looked scary he had he kind of has long hair a little bit like it goes like towards like the back of his neck but he has it in the ponytail but he has this like the side of his hair like all like up if that makes sense not up up but like on the side pointing sideways you know like how like when you sleep with your ponytail and you wake up and your hair's all like poof it's like it's not up but it's like in the middle section okay, that doesn't really matter well he sees him and he's but he's he looks normal and everything and we're just like what the heck is happening and francis is just yelling like oh it's mr caligari it's dr caligari no it's him he's dr caligari he's gonna kill you blah blah blah, blah. no seriously he's gonna kill you um no no and then they ended up strapping him and they ended up strapping francis and all you hear from dr caligari said say it's okay um oh shoot i should have probably written this down it's okay i now know what's wrong with you i can now fix you you think i'm dr caligari or something like that and i will i can now fix you and they take him and it's it's ironic because they strap him just like they did in the flashback but this time instead of being dr caligari it's francis and they throw him in the same room so basically there was two twists in this film the first twist was that dr caligari was the director of of the sane asylum and the second twist is that basically francis is like mentally ill and that he's a patient in this insane asylum and the thing is when when dr caligari says that like he can fix him now i don't know if you guys know but in old movies they kind of make the screen black but they have like this circle like closing in closing in until it becomes pitch black well they do that but the thing is they don't fully close it kind of stays on caligari's face so it's just a question of whether if what francis said was true or if he actually is um you know i guess crazy quotation marks but yeah uh, i thought that like guys if you were to like hearing this as a story it's so amazing and like this this was like created in the 1919s like, in the between world war one and world war two this is like crazy stuff amazing stuff for like when it was um filmed now here is where my research comes in i just felt like i needed to let you guys kind of have like the summary of the film it was a long long summary guys i know but i just i just felt like i needed to like to you know kind of 
give you the backstory of the, of the film. Well, not the backstory, but the summary of the film. Now, here's where my research comes in handy, guys. So, in, in the chapter of modernism of the movies, oh, at the movies, my bad. The, the, the modernism at the movies, um, it was, it's a chapter from the novel, the musical qualities, volume 88. So, it says, in quote, Caligari was the product of, of Universium Film Acting, I am sorry guys, I'm going to pronounce these words wrong, um, Gesellschaft UFA, basically it's like the Hollywood of Germany, um, a studio that not only wanted to emulate, emulate the Hollywood model, but also wanted to compete with it by experimenting with more stylized and artistic approach to filming end quote now guys i didn't get to explain this in the summary but the film is filled with these colors so since the movie was um was created was shot in 1919 obviously the set looks like a set you know it looks like it looks like you're you're at a theater watching a live musical or a live theater show you know it looks like that so of course yeah but it's the colors are so amazing they use different colors throughout um each scene and the buildings, the way everything is structured is so odd and different. It's like no building is ever like straight. There's always some some like slanted. The, just to tell you that the windows are not even squared. None of the windows are ever squared. It's just like a weird type of like um, setting, if that makes sense. Which I totally dig, guys. I totally dig. So, um, it's like, it's, I am assuming each color has like its symbolism of what it means specifically for that scene, but we're not here to talk about the, the film, the symbolism, well, we're here to talk about symbolism, but not the actual film, film, film. We're here to talk about how this relates to our history, right? Um, so... It is also said that the style and color used in the film is a symbolism of Germany's of Germany between the war, if that makes sense. So like all like the battles and, and how they lost and you know World War II came in and Hitler and you know all the horrible things he did with putting Jews in concentration camps, but it didn't really go into specific of what each color meant. So, I'm going to just leave you guys with that information. And then, I want to talk about Germany in the 1920s, which is when this film came out. Um, so, after World War I, Germany was very vulnerable due to the defeat and um, due to the Versailles, uh, Versailles.
Guy, guys. So, Germany during the 1920s. I'm going to talk to you guys about Germany during the 1920s. So, after World War One, Germany was very vulnerable due to the defeat and due to the Versailles. I will be talking about Germany during the 1920s. After World War I, Germany was very vulnerable due to the defeat and due to the Versailles Treaty, which was a treaty signed by Germany and the Allied, Allied Powers on June 28, 1919. So if you guys don't know who the Allied Powers um, are, uh, they are basically... I, not sure i think it's the u.s it's japan it's great britain uh i mean i forgot, i can't remember the rest um but those are one of the allied powers so they had the versailles treaty and they were basically germany was forced to pay incredibly incredibly sizable um reparation reparation my goodness Yes, they were, they were forced to pay incredibly reparation, sizable reparation um, to France and Great Britain. So, in a way, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari was a symbol of what had happened, you know? Because of the consequences of Germany, it made it really easy to be manipulated by a dictator someone like Otto, Olaf, Aldo, Adolf Hitler. <coughs> someone like Hitler, you know? Um, and we can see the resemblance in the, in the film between this. You know, Caligari kind of represents or symbolizes like the government, that maybe a dictator, you know, aka Hitler. Um, we have Caesar, who is basically symbolizes the people who have been brainwashed, you know, the, the citizens of Germany, basically. And the thing is, It's a film, it's a great film, but to the eye of someone who wouldn't do research, um, to the eye of someone who isn't like a critic, a film critic, to an eye of someone who isn't into films like I am and would find any little thing to be a symbolism of anything the film would just be a horror film just about a monster who fell in love with the with the pretty girl and you know that <laughs> and about an insane asylum and you know but no it has these connections in which the film brought to life 
but not a lot of people know. But most of the people caught on, you know. So the film was very successful in both Germany and the U.S. Obviously, during that time, the U.S. was not going to release any German films in the U.S. due to, I mean, World War One and World War Two, guys. But eventually, they did end up releasing releasing it in the U.S. and it was a hit. It was a hit both in Germany and in the U.S., which is incredible to say the least. Really is. So here's how I think the cabinet of Dr. Caligari influenced some American film, um, some American films. So there's, I have my little notes here, guys. There, the first film I think influenced this, um, influenced was influenced by this film is the murders in the Rue Morgue, which was released in 1932. This is about like 12 years after the original, well not original, but after um, The Cabinet Doctor Caligari was released. Um, so the thing is, this is a movie that was released in 1932, but it was, I'm not sure if it was a poem or a short story by our famous and depressed, our favorite depressed famous guy, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, he released it in 1841. So that's what I'm a little confused about. Um, I'm not sure if the movie adaptation of The Murders in the Row, um, in the Row Mort. <clears throat> Is completely identical to what um, Poe had written, but the similarities that we see are like the monstery type, where the monster kidnaps the women, the, not the women, the woman, because he kind kind of falls in love with her, you know. And this is seen obviously with Caesar and Jane, and that's one of the inspirations. Another inspiration. Um, well, except with the the difference, the difference is that in this film, in the murders, in the murders in the row morgue, I think it was an ape. It isn't until 1933, like a year later, that King Kong, a bigger ape, comes to life and kind of resembles the same thing. He falls in love with a girl, you know, a human girl, and he basically kidnaps her. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and this is seen in the cabinet of, um, Dr. Caligari when Caesar, basically, he doesn't kill Jane because he, he fell in love with her. At least, that's what I assume. <laughs> so I got all these connections, and another one that I see, that I said I was going to talk to you guys about, um, discuss with you guys, is Frankenstein. So we see this monster type Caesar, I guess in this case, this would be Caesar, killing people because of Caligari, uh, hypnotizing him and telling him what to do and stuff. But nonetheless, Caesar is the one doing the killing, right? And if you guys uh, don't know Frankenstein, 
um, the monster basically kills people. <laughs> Spoil alert, the monster kill, kills people. And I just wanna, I just wanna like tell you, let you guys know that Frankenstein is not the monster, okay? I've had this discussion with everyone I know who doesn't read books and who don't see old movies. Well, the old movies got it wrong, but basically people who don't read old books. Um, I had a had an assignment in high school and I had to read Frankenstein as one of them. And um, I've told you guys this before. Basically, for some reason, people, I guess, got confused and thought Frankenstein was a monster, which in, in a way kind of makes sense because symbolic, sim, symbolically, Frankenstein, the doctor, Dr. Frankenstein, it is he is kind of like a monster. So maybe that's why. Maybe. But nonetheless, you know, it has got it has that similarities. But the thing is, the actual um, novel um, was released in 1823. So I don't really know if that if they got inspiration from that, or if you know they just thought of it on their own, and then the film mainly got the inspiration because there's a scene where. Um, Frankenstein's monster is um, in I think her name is Elizabeth which is um, Frankenstein's wife and he goes there to kill her I think he does end up killing her um, he goes in the room and in the film that when Caesar enters Jane's room and when Franken Frankenstein is in um, Elizabeth's, room, Elizabeth's room they look almost identical like literally almost identical but it could also be because you know the way films were shot back then just like all like widescreen not widescreen but there weren't any camera angle movements or anything like that it was just like the camera was placed there and the there was just like the setting there you just had to move around so maybe because of that but it looks it looks similar guys another film that is to, is known to be the best film ever <laughs> is Citizen Kane. And when I was watching the scene um, in the cabinet, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, I was like, this reminds me a lot of Citizen Kane. If you guys haven't watched Citizen Kane, um, you guys should watch it. It is a black and white movie, obviously. But, but guys, but there is um there is people talking in this film that you can actually hear um i mean it was um citizen kane was released in where's my my, my notes citizen kane was released in 1941 and it was directed and starred in by orison Wells. his backstory is very interesting i i do this to myself he later on went to um I think he created his own like wine or something like that, wine brand or like champagne brand, something that some type of alcohol brand that he created. And you can see him like in his own, like in his own advertisements and his videos. He's literally like drunk from drinking his own like stuff. It's funny. I I think it's his own brand. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but. 
um yeah so i saw like it looked very similar but i mean who knows i mean the film citizen king was released in 1954 1954 right or am i confusing it with another date 1941, my bad. The film was released in 1941. So maybe there was some resemblance there. And the last film I want to um, kind of compare to is um, The Creature from the Black Lagoon, which was released in 1954. It has the same, same um, uh, resemblance, same, like, same thing, you know, where the like the monster type kidnaps the girl or, or whatever. And um, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. What I think is that all these films, I believe, I think, in my opinion, all these other films were inspired by the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. But what I think is that maybe... The cabinet of Dr. Caligari was inspired by none other than Beauty and the Beast. And no, I'm not talking about the Disney version, not the Disney adaptation. The, the, the story, the very old story of Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast has been passed down for centuries, guys. Um, <laughs> for centuries, for a long time. I'm not sure... It, it was in the 1800s when it first came out. Um, but it has been, it's been passed down. And it's, it's not just like an American, like, would it be considered a folktale? It's not just an American tale. It's, like, I think originally it was, originated from France, I think. I'm not sure, but basically the story has been all around the world with its own adaptation of the story depends where the region and stuff like that but nonetheless i think it was maybe maybe um what's his name the director let's go back to my notes maybe robert Vance was like inspired by that monsterly like figure who falls in love with the beautiful girl and basically tries to kidnap her. <laughs> um, I think there's a similarity between there. But going back to what's really important, the symbolism between this film and what was going on during that time. This film, like I said before, was being created was shot and released between World War One and World War Two. These were harsh times for Germany just because Germany didn't want to butt out and wanted to get a lot of things, you know? <laughs> um, but it was created when, you know, Germany was at its lowest, um, giving money to Britain and France no economically not doing well and then we have a dictator over here doing all these saying all these things and then ends up creating world war ii and all these deaths and stuff and it kind of resembles you know caligari kind of resembles that dictatorship 
that that government um where where the government the authority has all the power like Caligari did as you can see and you know, the government would do anything to kill someone who it who could be potentially um more powerful and um what's the word more harmful i forgot the word but someone who could potentially be in their way you know and you know germany did a lot of bad things during that time so i really do think caligari kind of resembles that authority type government dictator um you know and then you know i i do believe that caesar does resemble the people the people of of germany you know german people who who were brainwashed because during this time guys you have to remember that because of world war one germany was at its vulnerability people were could have easily and were easily manipulated by this dictator by this government of authority they they were basically like eyes closed did everything for this dude the same thing with caesar caesar never had any control over himself and was manipulated was hypnotized by Dr. Caligari, who had him do his dirty work for him, who who made him believe what he was doing was correct, and in reality, we know that that's not, that's not true, and it's seen the same way with Germany, you know, and it's amazing how how a film like this expresses that through the art of creating shots and imagery and symbolism and you know it expresses all that information through this film that doesn't even have to tell you this film doesn't have to tell you hey this is about germany for people to realize it you know and it's it's when a film can do that it's really amazing and that's why when i found this film uh and that i could you know, connected to Germany, not just a random film that Germany made, you know, how it was really popular and that, like, everybody liked it and it was even popular in the U.S., but a film that could actually have a deep connection with Germany, with what it was, what was happening, and it lived through the time of his most vulnerability and disaster of its time of disaster of this that time of when the hurricane hit and they were at the most vulnerable this is a film i really want to watch the clips i've seen are not enough for me but we'll see if they have it anywhere i can watch it i'm pretty sure they do because i think they re-release it um Every so often, they I think they re-released it for the 100 years, which was last year. So they might have it in Blu-ray. If not, maybe I can find it like online somewhere. Like um, like I don't know where where you buy movies, I guess, or something. 
Oh uh, yeah. So before I go, I wanted to um, give you some fun facts that I thought would be cool to share with you guys. I know this episode is going to be really long and my TA is probably upset about how I just keep ranting on more about the movie than the actual events. I'm so sorry. I just really like this movie. <laughs> so one, the first fun fact is um, Conrad, Conrad Vert or Vit. I can't really pronounce the last name. I'm sorry, guys. Um, he's the main. Well, he's one of the main um, um, actors. His character uh, was Caesar. Um, he came out in a movie called The Man Who Laughs. And it was released in 1928. And this is going to be... When I found this out, I was like, this is cool. This is actually cool. Um, this film basically... Well, his character. His character basically inspired the look and performance of none other than the Joker. Yeah, guys. It's... When I found that out, and then when I saw some of the pictures of when he came out of the film, I was like, oh my goodness, I understand why. I literally understand why. And it's, you might actually, his character, Conrad's character, you might like even see him in the like, like the Joker in one of the cartoons when he has his hair slicked back. He has a big, big smile. That's literally how Conrad's um, character um, looked like. Was, when I saw it, it was pretty cool. And another fun fact would be that Conrad Burt came out as the villain in another well-known movie that is beloved by a lot of people, and it's considered one of the best movies too, Casablanca, which was released in 1942. Um, I remember reading a little bit. I think he had to escape from Germany or something like that and he made it into the US. I didn't really look into it, but I read something like that. And basically he just came became a I wouldn't say an American actor because he wasn't born here, but he became an actor in Hollywood. And he became the main villain in Casablanca, which is amazing and cool because Casablanca is considered one of the best one of the best movies it's up there so yeah that is for that is it for today's episode i hope you guys enjoyed my little rant what well, i wouldn't consider it rant but i hope you guys enjoyed my i guess project episode about um the cabinet of dr caligari and its resemblance its symbolism of germany during world war one and world war two I have my citations with me now. So, Modernism at the Movies, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and a film score recited by Julie Herbert. German Economy in the 1920s by Daniel Castillo, published December 2003. Justly framed, unjustly unjustly framed politics and art in Das Cabinet des Dr. Caligari by Neil H. Donor, or Dona, 
Pets. I'm sorry if I pronounced the name wrong. These are the citations I used. So yeah, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I hope you have a wonderful day.